Hello and welcome to the Big Rethink series. With the Big Rethink, our aim is to unpick some key topics and to share ideas on the future of our industry. I'm your host, Martin Jandals, and this podcast will focus on the travel trade. We'll be discussing the impact of the pandemic across the global corporate travel and payments industry, travel trends for 2023, and the concerns and the challenges, and of course, opportunities for a travel trade payments perspective. To navigate through this topic, I'm joined by our external guests, Clive Ratton, CEO, the Business Travel Association, Vicky Williams, UK and Ireland Country Manager at Travel Perk, and my two colleagues at AirPlus, Sue Ansel and Linda Durigello. Welcome to you all. And can I start by asking you to each give a quick intro of yourselves, starting uh, with you, Vicky? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks, Martin. I'm really delighted to be here today. Um, I'm Vicky. I'm the country manager for Travel Perk. Um, we're a global travel tech platform and committed to helping customers travel on business in both an enjoyable and also sustainable way. I joined Travel Perk almost two years ago through the acquisition of Click Travel, um, and I've been in the industry in a variety of operational leadership roles for over 20 years now. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us. And over to you, Clive. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Hi, Martin. Thanks for that. Yeah, Clive Ratton. I'm the chief executive of the Business Travel Association, which, uh, as it says, is the uh, trade association that represents the uh, travel management and business travel supply chain. Uh, I've been in here this role for four years and previously uh, ran a TMC and worked in the aviation sector. And um, I'm kind of embarrassed to say this is kind of my 43rd year in the industry. So um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, I've been around a bit, I think the phrase is, but delighted to be here. Excellent. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Linda, over to you. Good morning, everybody. Um, I've been working uh, with AirPlus uh, for the last 14 years, uh, and I specify on travel trade customer for the last 10 years. So we've been uh, creating uh, you know, products, a new approach to work specifically with the travel trade industry at AirPlus, and I'm working in that particular division. Thank you, Linda. And lastly, but not least, Sue. Yes, so I am a strategic partnership manager here at AirPlus. Been at AirPlus for about 16, 17 years, mainly looking after the travel industry during that time. Prior to joining AirPlus, I had worked for a number of um, travel agencies, TMCs, and similar to Clive, I've been around a while. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for introducing yourselves. So... The pandemic had a monumental effect on the global travel industry and created a very lasting impact. Obviously, resilience, both by travelers and brands, was needed in these unprecedented times. After many, many difficult months, travel searches rose, accommodation bookings increased, and global travel confidence also returned. In your view, uh, kind of what are the main changes that have occurred following uh, the global uh, pandemic uh, for the global travel industry? And what sort of lasting impact do you see the pandemic having on the future of the travel industry? Firstly, to yourself, Vicky. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think um, one of the biggest changes that we've definitely seen is a move to, I guess, more 
purposeful travel, more thoughtful travel. Um, people combining trips, um, so maybe not traveling as often, um, but traveling for longer periods of time or combining combining meetings. Um, that is helping as well with driving cost reduction um, as well. Um, we we've got a range of customers that that we talk to every day, um, and one thing that comes up very often is how much they really now want to validate their return on investment for travel and also they want to maybe capture and importantly kind of analyze the reasons for travel with a bit more scrutiny as well so you know what why are employees traveling what's the return on investment um you know are travelers making the right choices combining trips um one to reduce costs and two to to help from a sustainability perspective as well okay great Clive, over to you, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a really interesting subject because we're at risk in this industry of always finding reasons for why things have changed terribly out of these events, right? Yeah, if you were talking to me three years ago or close to it, the, there was a real question whether business travel would ever happen again. And that was the theme right the way through the first spring and summer of the pandemic. But what was really interesting out of it, as it went on longer and longer, the absolute value of meeting in person or doing business in person amplified back up again so weirdly had the pandemic and in many ways of course we wish it had finished fairly quickly i think the business travel industry would have changed probably more than it has now but because of the longevity of the lockdown uh, and not being able to travel globally it actually built up the demand and the realization that the way can be done uh the only way business can be done really is in in um person and i think also what is really important to stress around this that business travel isn't just for meetings right you, uh, you know, business travel is a wide range of things from professional sport to engineering to manufacturing to legal to students. Most of that cannot be done in any way remotely. You can't build stuff on teams. So I think it has changed. I, t I fully agree with what Vicky said is that, you know, people are being very much more um, questioning about the value of the trip and a return on investment, both from a economic and sustainable perspective, but equally it depends who you talk to. So SMEs in particular who, who got back and traveling just need to get out and do business, whether that's in Europe, whether it's in the UK or overseas. If you have bigger organizations who have a different approach to governance, both around sustainability and financial, that has changed. But equally, the role that we play within the industry, as in travel management and payment, becomes really focused on how we work together to, um, to deliver that return on investment. So, yeah. You wouldn't want a pandemic to happen, but there, are, there is always some positives that come out of it, right? And we have to use those windows of opportunities to uh, um, to learn from and make the industry better. Indeed. And I was reading uh, an article around uh, a lot of TMCs having to support customers with um, rebuilding their sort of travel policies, you know. Um, and is that something you've been seeing and hearing, uh, you know, again, maybe coming to you directly as a TMC, uh, Vicky? A lot of companies having to relearn how to implement their travel policies post the pandemic. Yeah, I think it was um, well, like Clive said, actually, like through the pandemic, we had some customers that were that were traveling throughout because they they had no choice. Um, but for the customers that really had to kind of pause and and were kind of restricted in what they could do, um, I think it was actually the perfect opportunity for them to look at you know when we're going to get back to travel, do we want to go back to exactly what we were doing before, or do we want to take this chance to have a fresh look at, at how we travel. We've been helping customers, you know, think about how they might want to change it, what the difference is to their business. 
Um, we've seen an increase in customers that have more of a hybrid working setup as well. So some of those changes have gone into travel policies. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been something that we have supported customers through. Anything to add from the BTA side? I agree. I think policies have been um, uh, you know, amended in, in certain areas, some temporarily, I think, uh, to, to get through what is the, the recovery period and moving from there. And I think it's a dreadful phrase, right? But the new normal, I, I don't even know what that means, but we all use it. But the new normal is yet to be dis- established and that's changing. And I, again, you know, we just have to bear in mind that a huge volume of business travel is undertaken by what we call small and medium enterprises who may not have a fixed travel policy. And, and they're kind of doing it on the hoof or working with organizations like Vickies to make sure that what is right for them at this particular time is managed through their travel process and reflected in what they're employees can and, and cannot do and i think this is a fantastic positive that's come out of it is around the uh, the well-being and the recognition that the traveler needs to be comfortable around doing it. and I, I think one of the things i kind of refer to is pre-pandemic it was really finance that drove the decision but now there should be a happiness decision as well built into travel policies is that 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 makes sure the traveler is feeling comfortable with what he's doing with what she or he is doing um, both in length of trip, where they're staying, and, and maybe even the comfort about how the mode of travel is um, that they're going to go on their business trip by. And I think that is a significant change and one we need to make sure continues because it is a really key part of the industry moving forward. Okay. So despite obviously a, a very tough time, uh, definitely some learnings and uh, some positives uh, taken out in terms of for the better of the industry going forward. Absolutely. I'm really passionate about this is that we get caught up in talking about all the bad stuff, right? But that, you know, we, if we want this industry to recover and, and travel is a force for good in a sustainable and um, you know, productive way, and it's important to caveat it with that, that there is still a lot of good that comes out of it. And now, you know, we've got to be talking about those positives rather than just looking back and reflecting on what is, you know, is not good. Uh, we know all of that. We've, we should learn from it and move on. I completely agree uh, with Clive because we, we, as I said, we always focus on the negative uh, uh, part of the pandemic. But, you know, many new opportunities came up both from the travel industry as well as on the payment industry. And as Vicky said, we um, have a, um, a position of a consultant now with our customers. And, uh, you know, they are looking at a way of uh, improving their travel behavior and reducing the cost, but still traveling. And in the same way, uh, they are asking exactly the same questions in the travel um, and payment uh, industry. And during the pandemic, people uh, were taking the time because they were maybe not traveling to review how they were um, uh, having payment processes with their travel company and with us and how they could use product differently and integrate the product um, into the tools that they were using. So um, also touching on what Clive said, um, the the very big focus when we talk to our travel agency partners is that now uh, the traveler come first. So they have to adapt their uh, booking facility and and their offers with with a a new perspective in mind, if you want. So yes, it's, it's all positive opportunities that both the travel industry and the payment industry can uh, try to capitalize on to assist uh, the customers on uh, uh, you know new trends and new needs great thanks linda thanks for the input there um so just taking the conversation forward um 
2022 was another busy year for mergers and acquisitions across the corporate travel sector, including more consolidation within uh, travel management industry, as well as some key moves uh, from technology uh, specialists. And uh, so just putting the question out there, you know, was it just the pandemic uh, that sort of brought this on? Uh, Were there other reasons for these mergers and obviously something more topical with you more recently uh vicky uh, going to come across to you first yeah absolutely um so i i think it was pre-pandemic um i don't think the pandemic um hugely affected it maybe to a degree but i think it was always on the cards anyway and if i think back probably 10 years from now um we were adamant um that that this change would happen in the industry um, there were almost too many players doing similar things. Um, we knew that there was a focus on technology going forward. We knew that some people in the industry would really raise their game and would be adapting and changing to the needs of, of what customers wanted. Um, and I think we have to remember that the the business travel market is huge. Um, so much of it is unmanaged. Um, and as a result of that, it's probably a, an industry that has always been ripe for disruption. Um, so I think when those types of conditions exist in the market then yeah mergers and acquisitions are probably inevitable you and obviously I've been part of it because um I've seen the positive impact of mergers and acquisitions because click travel was acquired by travel perk back in the summer of 21 and I think it does have a huge amount of positives if it's done well because you see two companies who very often complement each other maybe they've got aligned cultural values aligned cultural strategies maybe they're acquiring a market where they've kind of it's currently untapped, um, which is kind of what happened with us. That sounds great. Right. Clive, just turning to you, anything else to add? Um, not too much. I mean, I think mergers and acquisitions is a uh, natural thing that happens regardless uh, of uh, any particular event. Um, yeah, I think yeah, this industry has always had a, a strong track record of mergers and acquisitions, but equally new entrants, and that hasn't changed either. So, you know, it's interesting you look, there's it is quite amazing in this country, really, given the size of uh, us as a nation, um, not necessarily this is travel market, that you can find a list of over 100 TMCs um, coming into the pandemic and there's still over 100 coming out of the pandemic. Now, they may not all be the same names, um, but they are still there. And I think that shows the strength of it. And I think M&A is good for any business because it means there's investment coming into it uh, and um, yeah, it allows customer choice uh, and um, yeah, really attracts new uh, players into the industry as well, um, which really spurs everybody on. So I think it is a natural case. I think the pandemic in some ways slowed it down because everybody went into hibernation. Uh, I think, um, you know, it doesn't mean it won't change. And I think, you know, there is still a lot to come to answer your question. I think, you know, as a market becomes uh, a little more freer and um, there are deals to be done. And I think we'll be seeing that over the next six to 12 months. But I don't think it's a particularly different cycle to what you've seen pre-pandemic. It's just as being a, the pause button was pressed a little bit. So we're seeing this, this merger and acquisition happening with the TMC and we've spoken about the TMC, but I think we saw uh, the trend, we, we keep on seeing the trend even maybe with the airline uh, and, um, you know, booking engines and uh, ground transportation. So do you think... Um, because they're all part of the travel industry, um, that uh, the trend will continue for all categories, or or do you see one category maybe more at risk than the other? 
Um, it's a good question. I, I think inevitably it happens right the way across, and it doesn't always necessarily mean to be a full um, merger and acquisition. There can be new partnerships and alliance form which help strengthen uh, both organisations. But I, I think um, we will continue to see this. You know, some of the the debt that our industry has taken on, very relevant to you guys, and understanding the financial positions results in. Um, organizations looking to strengthen themselves and that comes in joint ventures or in mergers and acquisitions and, and that's not unique to travel management companies that will be right the way um across so i think that will continue and i think that's good for travel generally is that it's an industry that people want to invest in and people want to change and grow in and, and private equity particularly is still looking at all areas of our sector which is which is always a good sign so yeah, i think it will continue in other areas although i think you know, being brutally honest, travel management is probably the travel management companies. There's probably more activity in that because of the size of the market. Um, in the sense that, that it's quite restricted. If you talk about airlines, they're global players generally, and that's uh, you know a much bigger thing to merge. And the same with hotel chains and um, such like. But it does still happen. It will still happen, in my opinion. Great. Okay. So time to sort of uh, dust out your uh, crystal balls here. If I can sort of ask the question, what is your take on the sort of main uh, business travel trends that uh, you kind of see over the next 12, sort of 14 months? Uh, maybe start with you, Clive, again. Well, it is really difficult to predict anything. And I think anything you predict is that you can't you know, predict anything, really. I, I think we've seen business travel come back uh, really strongly and I, I think that will continue uh, at a at a slow rate of growth and for all the things we spoke about earlier there are you know, different um, control mechanisms that may change it around the return on investment sustainability is clearly a huge issue uh, for the industry and you know I put a play on that that again we've got to talk positively about sustainability business travel drives economic growth around the globe and it removes uh, or it it puts prosperity into countries that maybe not have had it. So we shouldn't get focused on the bad piece. And I think that will, will continue. Uh, I, I think it's it's really interesting to see where um, we go with um, things like video conferencing and, and how it continues. We've done some recent research without kind of, I know this is probably not a commercial channel, so I won't do an advert, but we've just yeah, done some research with the CBI, um, 450 companies, all of who very clearly said that you know, meetings in person for whatever reason is absolutely much more important to them, not just from building relationships, but to get innovation and to get energy into their businesses. And, and, and Vicky mentioned it earlier around culture. It's very hard to build a company culture if you're all sitting uh, in separate places on a, on a screen. So I think we will continue. I think it will slow. We've certainly got some issues around cost of living uh, prices. Um, crisis. You're seeing quite an increase in airfares and hotel rates at the moment. Um, a lot of that is driven out of um, capacity, not returning to levels, but equally the cost of living. And I think that will will put a uh, the brakes on if it were to continue. Um, but I think we should look fairly positively about it. We've got to work together to deliver sustainable travel that gives a great return on investment to the planet and to our global economy. And, um, you know, that will be what happens over the next couple of years if all things stay equal, in my opinion. Great. Um, Vicky, just bringing you in as well to give us your view. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, we're seeing the same in that, you know, travel is not, I guess, immune to these economic conditions that are happening. So we are 
seeing inevitably that, you know, some of the increased costs of inflation are being passed on in the form of higher fares and rates. So our, our customers are kind of feeling that. I mean, we're also seeing a demand for more meetings and events, um, off-sites. Um, I think that's linked to the hybrid working that we see. Um, and we've got companies that want to bring their teams together for exactly what Clive was saying, for culture, energy, you know, trying to encourage collaboration amongst teams that maybe don't work together or sit in an office every day together. We're actually seeing a reduction in UK rail volume. Um, UK rail is, is a big significant part of our business, actually. Um, and we do a lot of domestic travel um, here in the UK. Um, but the reason for the downturn, I think, on the UK travel side of things is is probably two-prong. Um, one, one, the cost of travel. Um, but also... Um, one is is around just the continued disruption that that customers are seeing. Um, you know, if you know that you need to be at a very important meeting because it's going to secure you a big deal, or you're going to be presenting to your employees, for example, um, but there's various train strikes going on, you can't trust that. Um, so I think there's some lack of trust in that continued disruption, and we've definitely seen not a significant downturn, but a downturn. Vicky, you said there is this downturn uh, in the train uh, ticket booking because um, uh, of the reliability of the, of the service. Do you see customers asking you for alternatives such as maybe, you know, taxis or car rental or other um, options that they need in order to get to those meetings, which is still creating an opportunity for you to assist them? Yeah, there's definitely been an increase in, in hire car, especially in the periods when we know that strikes are going to happen. Um, and I think it just goes down to the confidence that a traveller wants to have that they're going to get to their end destination um, because they, they don't want to mess up the meeting that they're actually going to be attending. So we have seen an increase in, in car hire. Um, again, not significant volumes, but definitely noticeable. Can I just add to that if it's just because it is... A fascinating thing, and I, you know, the rail industry is only on business travel is back at about sixty-five percent of pre-pandemic, where other sectors are anywhere between ninety and one hundred and twenty percent around it. But again, part of the research we did with companies is saying that actually eighty-five percent of journeys domestically are now taken by private car um, as their mode of choice, and rail was down at, at about sixty percent, which is a real flip around it and that the other interesting part around that is that that differs where you are in the country so in london train is still seeing a little bit more feasible because we're a bit luckier with the network down here but if you get up into the uh, the north of england where the train services are dire and need in desperate need of investment that's even harder and that's where most people are saying actually we'd rather take the private car than we would take train one reliability two i have my own space and i can do that stuff so we spend, I spend a lot of my time over the last 12 months talking to the rail industry around how we can attract business travelers back because they have a real issue um, with that that has gone on and on because of the, um, the industrial action, but equally because they're just, uh, the prices are mad, right? Interns, they really are crazy expensive. Uh, and, uh, and the service is pretty poor for a business traveler, um, not only on board, but at stations. So there's a whole area that we need to invest in that. And it's a, it's a huge part of the sustainability journey moving forward that we get rail working. So um, it is a fascinating subject and one that is really um, struggling to get people back on the trains. And that's a big lot of transactions for uh, us as an industry, including yourselves, that you could be losing out on. So we have interest in making them force back because if somebody's saying a private car, it doesn't generally come through our industry. 
Fantastic. No, very, very interesting pickup point there on the uh, the rail travel, uh, Vicky. Thanks for that. Um, just picking up on one of the kind of trends that were being written about, um, you know, with business and leisure travel sort of uh, blending into each other and the lines becoming blurred, um, sort of pleasure and, you know, pleasure travel. Um, is that a lasting trend or flavor of the month? Uh, interested on some views there again, maybe bringing you, uh, Vicky? It's not my favorite term <laughs> in the world, I must admit, <laughs> but it's a term that gets talked about quite a lot. I, I'm um, pretty much in the same, yeah, same, yeah. same it's a shocking word. Yeah, <laughs> Nobody likes um, it. <laughs> so I think pre, like after the pandemic, I think people wanted to travel. If they had the opportunity to travel for work, they were like, how can I extend this? How can I go and see some other world? Like we, we, we all wanted to do that. So I think there was definitely that just, you know, just let me get out there and, and let me travel again, please. Now, we see, we see it a bit, but but not, I mean, not hugely. Being a business traveler myself, sometimes I actually like to separate the trips. You know, a work-focused trip is very different to me going away. Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it, it happens, um, but I wouldn't say I've seen a, a huge um, kind of resurgence uh, sort of now. I agree with Vicky. I, don't, I, I think it is, it's out there, but it's not so much, but... We have to also be careful around what we well, are using the word pleasure. It's like suggesting that you do a business trip and you have a two-week holiday and the Caribbean's um, stuck on the back of it. It's not. Business, business travel should be about experience. And the next generation of business traveler comes through really want an experience, a good experience too. So those corporates, I think, that allow people to maybe blend when they're in a city is to take maybe an open bus tour, right? That's a piece of leisure while they're there. Go and try a new restaurant opening while they're there or put them in a hotel that may be at a resort uh, half an hour from the city so they can have some evening on the beach if they choose to. That's what I think we see developing, not you know, kind of going somewhere and then spending two weeks on. And I think there's a huge opportunity for the travel management industry to add experiences into business travel trips. And that can be of sightseeing, as I say, restaurants or whatever. And and then it becomes a really aspirational part of the travel. You're investing in the local economy while you're there and you're bringing an experience back with you. And I, and I think that's a real positive, again, that we should be spreading as an industry out there. And I think that's the way uh, I would like to um, see it go because our business travel, that's what I do when I go. I take the opportunity to either run around a tour or do a running tour or go on a bus, whatever. You know, that shakes my boat, but uh, others will be that and therefore making it worthwhile. And I guess depending on your life stages, um, I know I'd find it very difficult to get away with uh, tagging a two-week in the Caribbean after a business trip with my wife. So. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it just depends on life stage as well. <laughs> Good. Okay, great. The last point we were talking um, around how train travel particularly could help uh, in the sustain sustainability um, uh, efforts. And obviously, sustainability touches almost every aspect of our lives and is now a top priority and consideration for companies and businesses alike. So with an increased demand for sustainable travel, how do you think businesses should respond? So what are the key uh, changes that should be happening uh, or are already happening? Just bounce back to you, Vicky, uh, to kick us off. Um, so sustainability, I mean, it's absolutely core to our mission at Travel Perk and, and many of the companies that we work with already are working towards maybe net zero pathways themselves or looking for help and support from us as their travel partner to help them reduce their scope one, two and three emissions. I would say 
there's probably three key areas that we see from from companies. They want robust reporting and analysis so that they have detailed carbon footprint reporting and they can get insights into into what they're currently doing. I think secondly, they want to reduce. So they want to use the analysis and, and kind of set the wheels in motion to take some control of that. Maybe that's through introducing a sustainable travel policy, um, removing layovers, taking the train first, like you said, Martin, um, or even looking a bit deeper than that at the type of aircraft being used um, and kind of guiding their employees towards making more sustainable choices. Um, and then I think the final point is more about control. So, you know, using that combination of analysis to to actually you know, make a difference really um, and help them achieve these goals. So there is, of course, the option to offset, um, but, you know, that is purely compensating for what they're using. So it's about using the analysis, you know, and actually then making some changes because changing behaviour is is what will make the difference. Okay. Thanks very much uh, from a uh, sort of TMC perspective. And Clive, I've seen on the BTA there's quite a detailed plan when you look across, let's say, industry. Um, you able to touch a bit on that uh, for us? Yeah, I mean, it's really all that um, Vicky has said. I think one of the things we're trying to work to is standard CO2 reporting and being able to report a the CO2 output of entire business trip rather than just the aviation part of the hotel. And yeah, I, I think this is maybe slightly controversial. I think we're getting uh, data paralysis uh, with it. That everybody wants to go down to you know what the yeah, the trade winds were on the day because it added thirty percent to my CO two piece. Where actually, what we really need is sustainable choices at the point of sale, very simply described, so people can make decisions. Otherwise, we scare them into just doing nothing. Uh, so I think the industry needs to evolve massively around just making it easy for people to make a choice, and they don't need going down to the nth degree of what the weight of the aircraft was on takeoff. I think we also need to look at other areas like air traffic management. Um, there's a huge opportunity to save carbon through uh, the modernization of the skies of both Europe and the UK, which has been sat in government policy for a long time. Uh, and I think it is also really important that we as an industry clearly um, focus on carbon, but there are 17 UN ESG goals and travel plays a huge part in making lives better around the world. I mentioned it earlier on is that we don't get lost on the, the carbon message 100% of the time. Um, and as an industry, we just kind of realize um, and talk more openly. But and the one plea I'd make here is that um, we, we continue to collaborate as an industry on this because if what I get really frustrated about personally is organizations saying we're the most green, we're the most this. And it's like, well, fine, but until the industry gets to a level it doesn't matter, right? If we all work and make business travel sustainable, then, you know, compete, do what you like, uh, you can win. But at that point, we're still fighting the big fight about saving the planet, a big fight about having the PR messaging out to the Joe public who don't understand. Uh, and if we see people within the industry just constantly saying, we're the most green, I don't think it does us any favours, and that's just a, a personal view. So I think that's some work we've got to do over this, and part of our role at the BTA is to lead the industry forward on levels to show that we're a responsible sector working together to deliver um, sustainable travel programs. And yeah, from that point, and that's a big job for us to do over the next 12, 18 months. The point you just raised around uh, making those sort of corporate goals understandable at the sort of you know uh, street level, what can I do in terms of supporting that uh, corporate strategy? 
maybe to just bring Sue in uh, from an Air Plus perspective on the uh, sustainability topic. Uh, anything to add there? Um, yes. Well, at Air Plus, um, we've been discussing a lot of this um, area with our customers, and we do ourselves offer a green company account, which we have had as a solution for over ten years. Um, it's a sustainable, climate neutral payment solution. Um, where the AirPlus is on the company account and we can offset through our partners, MyClimate. Um, they're invested in environmental initiatives. It's a carbon offsetting that we can all do in the business travel management. Okay, so just one of the initiatives we're currently doing. Um, and hey, thanks very much. Um, and again, in the interest of time, we're going to just sort of come to our sort of final talking point. Um, from a payments perspective, Kind of what are the main concerns and challenges uh, that are being seen by our travel trade customers uh, in 2023? So I'm just going to bring in Linda and uh, Sue from from AirPlus perspective. Yeah, I, I can go first, uh, Martin. I think the, the the challenges that we've seen uh, that are probably going to continue in 2023 were uh, sometimes with um, uh, credit facility because you know the need for booking for our um, customers. Uh, we're increasing very rapidly uh, and because of the pandemic the credit availability was uh, much lower uh, we had to work really hard through 2022 to assist them with their growth uh, at the same pace they were they were growing and i think 2023 will continue to have that that trend this quite um, you know a challenge but we need to consult with them and assist them with the payments and and to have the correct facilities for that um, and another challenge is that we see so many new players now on, on the arena bringing uh, new services, uh, bringing new tools. And of course, what our customer wants is uh, uh, integration. So um, a challenge sometimes is, is uh, um, integrated fast enough with all these new, uh, you know, players on, all, uh, on the arena and, and uh, uh, be able to service them the way they need to be serviced. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree with Linda there that we have where the travel uh, volumes have, have increased quite significantly and uh, the the travel management companies, if, if they're offering their own account uh, to the customer, if the customer doesn't have their own form of payment, then sometimes this can be a challenge for the TMC. So we have been um, approached by you know a number of, of TMCs in the UK with regards to sort of moving or offering um, a joint solution card, sort of account to card, as it were, process. Um, we are currently in the process of trying to put together a, a fact sheet, which hopefully can help ease that situation. I know that the sales teams at the TMCs particularly find it difficult to intro uh, introduce a card into the sales process. So anything we can do to help, you know, as as a partnership rather than, the sales team feeling that they're handing over to a third party rather than, um, you know, a partner. Okay. Thank you, Sue. Um, just throwing it back to Vicky there. The key focus for our customers is probably that whatever payment solution they have, and we support both actually, whether it's kind of a, you know, an, an account set up or a, um, a partnership via a card provider, um, is that it's just seamless for the travellers. Um, that there's as least amount of friction as possible. Um, so, for example, our customers don't want a situation where maybe they've 
booked a room to a company account and somebody goes to check in and the payment hasn't gone through. So I think there's there's two things that we need for our customers. One is kind of global acceptance of any card provider, um, but also resilience as well um, and making sure that, you know, the travellers have a frictionless experience. Can I just pick up on the acceptance uh, side of things there? So what challenges are there in the acceptance piece? Because you're saying you see that as potentially one yeah, I mean, depending on who the provider is, there can be some differences with acceptance. So, um, you know, so that can happen. Um, but I think also, you know, we are seeing more international travel to more unique places. Um, and and sometimes just the location and the geography means that actually the acceptance is a little bit different. Okay, brilliant. Clive, anything anything to add? Um, not so much. I would just put a challenge out to the card sector is to be brave and recognize the importance of traveling growth and the you know, the ability of financing the sector uh, will deliver growth. It comes with some risk, but life's like that, right? We've discovered that. So I think it's important that we see um, the finance industry um, working truly in collaboration and being prepared to um, work with some mitigated risk to make sure the industry can move forward at the pace it can. On the other side of things, I think it's absolutely huge opportunity for um, collaboration with the industry to redefine the payments particularly around aviation you know BSP was invented in the 1970s and um, it is uh, still there and uh, you know there are so much better ways of doing it that will improve the uh, the margins for all I believe and I think car providers have a big job to do with us in working with IATA and airlines to uh, look at differently at the way payments are made for aviation um, moving forward. And, and that's something I'm very keen to open discussions on and, and maybe poke the bear a little bit with because it needs change um, from that. If we look into consumer market, virtual cards and paying for everything on a virtual card is the norm. So why is it not the norm within business travel? And I, I think it will prove the lot for many business travelers and for the supply chain within it and i think um you know that's my biggest point i would raise coming out of the back of this is um let's get around the table and have some frank conversations about how we need to change the payment process within this industry to a more modern and uh, effective way great i'm just going to pick up on something you mentioned uh, about finance and uh, i think uh, knowing what we know now uh, since the pandemic um do you think the industry is more robust in terms of the finance and planning, structural planning, do you think there is enough going into uh, businesses making sure that their financing structure is uh, sound enough? So here's the thing, right? We're two and a half years of the business travel industry having no business whatsoever. You tell me how many businesses we lost and yet credit facilities were withdrawn and travel was put as the highest risk within it. And I think that speaks volume. No, no business is without risk. When you work in a really narrow margin business that travel managements do, that requires for some really strong uh, and robust accountable procedures and understanding of their P&Ls. And I think this industry has done an outstanding job over the years of doing that. And I think that's where we're at now is that you know, we still, we came into this, as I said, with over 100 TMCs and we come out with over 100 TMCs. So yeah, you get me on one there. I think the travel industry, present company accepted and not just business travel, and fairly treated from a um, investment and um, credit perspective, given uh, how it's performed. Exactly. No, I think that's a fantastic view on that. You know, I think great testimony as well. So, uh, Vicky, anything to add? Um, no, I no, I, I agree with with the comments made, and I think you know 
yeah, given the relatively small margins that that do get made, um, I think you know how we manage that significant working capital is is just always going to be a very hot topic. I think so. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a good conversation. And then Sue and Linda, anything to add on that last topic? I, I think what what Clive said um, uh, about the um, you know difficulties that we have during the pandemic, and especially we we. You know, felt here ourselves with our insurers trying to assist our customers. Um, and, you know, we, we have learned a lot from the pandemic as well, where we have tried to change slightly the, the model, especially when it comes to travel trade customer, where we have, uh, you know, accepted more um, the risk, if you want, for this type of customer to continue assisting that uh, during the, the pandemic, but also after. So I think that, you know, I'm, the insurers and, and other part of the finance business should do exactly the same for this particular industry as as we've tried. Okay. Sue, was there anything else to add? The expectation at the beginning of the pandemic and travel stopped completely was that there would be, you know, a lot of casualties along the way, of which we've seen there's no evidence of that whatsoever. You know, and, and the TMCs have come back stronger and better than ever. We've had to learn along the way. Yes, our underwriters, etc. You know, mentioned you mentioned the word travel, and their sort of faces turned white. Um, and and you know, we've had to sort of fight back. And I, I think there's been a long, a big long learning curve. Uh, and thankfully, we're coming out the other end of that now. Okay, brilliant. So we're just trying to bring you to a close now, and going to be asking you for your sort of top two opportunities and top two challenges ahead of us uh, within the travel trade. Um, so let's start with you, um, Clive, uh, from the top. Oh, it's a curveball now. And I've got to have thought about this. So the, t- the top two challenges, I, I guess I'm, I'm talking from my perspective and that of the association or anything else. I mean, I think um, government uh, and government change and government policy is a real big uh worry for us over the next 18 um, to 24 months here in the UK specifically with general election looming and and just what's what's going on and um, the second one is a challenge is what I mentioned earlier really is decollaboration of the industry where we start fragmenting again going different directions that it's you know it's a real risk if we don't all start to we've just been talking about credit of everybody having open conversations through the chain to make things better and learn and make it stronger we're an ecosystem, right? That has huge numbers of people within that ecosystem, and the um, you know the, the, the kind of big fish at the top can't survive if all the ones below don't um, feed into it. And I think we should learn that lesson. And that their challenges, I believe, is keeping that collaboration going moving forward. But I think you know, in terms of opportunities, there's a huge opportunity around sustainability to turn it into a positive message uh, and make travel um, you know the force for good that we know that it is, and 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 showing the uh, the world that we're a responsible industry that, that delivers. And um, the second uh, second opportunity, I think, is about reinventing some of the industry. The, again, we're just talking around the financing of it all um, and uh, you know, really showing those businesses that may be not using travel management companies, et cetera, pre-pandemic, just how important it is um, around becoming the professional services partner of, of you building your business globally. And I think that is a window of opportunity that has come out of the pandemic is to really redefine the role of a travel management company and put it in the front foot uh, as opposed to being maybe in the middle. Wonderful. And over to you, Vicky. Um, yeah, so I'll start with the 
challenges. Um, I think we, we will be closely watching the impact of like the economic conditions on rates and fares because we know that that's important to our customers. And linked to that, the conversation that we had around the UK rail industry and the challenges that are there, you know, we need to help business travellers gain trust um, back in that vertical as well. On a more positive note, the opportunity side of things um, are quite exciting, actually. So the fact that we have now this kind of power of meeting in real life and building on that and companies actually seeing that this is incredibly value, not valuable not just to their customer base um, and to their own success but also to their employees from an engagement perspective so that's really going to help the industry um, and secondly like Clive said um, we have the opportunity to help drive more sustainable business travel options um, and that is exciting to be able to play a part in that. Wonderful thanks. Sue if I can bring you in uh, if there's anything to add. I think for even the SMEs that have not historically used TMCs that they are now probably more important now than ever with the different arrays of fares and where all these fares are now sourced from with the you know oncoming NDC fares etc to be able to present all of those options available in in one easy place rather than you know an, an individual traveler having to go off and spending an hour and a half search you know, searching all the different websites etc so to be able to have, you know, an, an easy one point of call where you can have all the options presented in an easy to understand manner, possibly with the sustainability options as well included. Okay. So a challenge and an opportunity. Great. Thanks for that. Linda, anything else to add? We have to be um, able to provide, as Vicky said uh, just a moment ago, a, a seamless payment experience to customers. So um, the speed of which we're developing is going to be uh, a challenge. Um, and uh, another challenge is probably, uh, again, supporting our TNC with the correct credit line because of the speed of the growth and making sure that they have what they need in order to, to continue uh, growing and reach their goals. Uh, but at the same time, I think this, the, these two challenges are also opportunity for us because we want to work with more and more partners in the industry. We want to create... Uh, a more and more seamless uh, payment solution for our customers. Um, and at the same time, we want to work and grow with our customers. Brilliant. Thanks, uh, Linda, and thanks everyone for your contributions. A fantastic conversation throughout. Um, so in closing, uh, thanks for listening. And a big thank you to our guests, Vicky Williams and Clive Ratton and to my colleagues Linda and Sue for joining me for another insightful discussion around the travel trade on this week's episode of the Air Plus Big Rethink podcast. On the next episode, we'll be delving into a fresh new topic. So if you enjoyed this podcast, then don't forget to hit follow and subscribe. And if you can leave us a review, that would be highly appreciated. Goodbye for now. Goodbye for now.